Welcome to episode 1013 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Happy Super Bowl Sunday. That means baseball's kicking... Oh, crap. Uh, yeah, I'm doing mm. all right, man. Yes. Check out, Super... my new, check out my new banner on my Twitter profile. That kind of sums up my feelings about baseball right now. I'll, I'll have to go check that. Uh, yeah, baseball... Uh, usually is kicking off tomorrow, right? For 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 the masses, we we've been going nonstop, but it feels a little less um, immediate than it, it usually does. Uh, but joining us today is someone who is kicking something off that will be immediate tomorrow. Is the SP streamer Michael <laughs> Simeone from spstreamer.com. Michael, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, I had to have you on because you are releasing your draft guide tomorrow, which I'm super excited about. I'm sure you are super excited about. So talk a little bit about what you can find in the SP Streamer draft guide. Yeah, uh, so it's out tomorrow on the website. Actually, I think I put it up there today, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not announcing it until tomorrow, but it's there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a we had a couple of writers uh, involved in it. Um, and, uh, it's all position rank positional rankings with player player blurbs. I can't talk today. Apparently, um, we got top 100 prospects, a whole, uh, streaming strategy section, how to break down pitching, how to break down hitting, um, a whole starter spotlight section, which is basically like deep deep dives on some interesting starters. Um, we have, uh, who we love and why, and that's basically deep dives on positional players, and then we have a whole draft strategy section that is 73 pages, I think. <laughs> um, that talks about FAB, player evaluation, draft preparation, ADP, KDS, format strategy, managing your portfolio, and a bunch of other stuff. And then we have DFS section. There's a lot in there, basically. <laughs> there is a lot. And how much is it? $5. Yeah, see... People are like, oh, Justin, when's the Friends of Fantasy Benefits draft guide coming out this year? It's not. It was put out of business because it was undercut by the SP. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact Our advice I... was undercut by $5 yeah. advice. There you go. <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that I just didn't want to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> every night until it was released. So It is a lot of work. Yeah, it's a ton it's a of, work. of work. Um you, uh, you've assembled a pretty awesome team over at the SP Streamer uh, to help you pump this out. So definitely go and get it. You're not going to find a cheaper draft guide on the market that offers so much stuff. So highly, highly recommend you go out and purchase that. Uh, it will help you win your leagues, which is the purpose of listening to a podcast like this, a podcast like a Mike's, and getting a guide like that. So definitely go and support that. Um, we are going to talk of some baseball, and we're going to focus on a bunch of questions we have gotten from people on Twitter. I didn't really know what to talk about today, and so <laughs> I was feeling a little down after uh, the yeah. news about the CBA yesterday, so I didn't feel like putting a ton of effort in. clown show that was. I'm like, I'm like starting to lose hope a little, and I've been yeah. very positive. And I've, been, I've like, been super, super optimistic, but that was um, that was a huge bummer to see. That's what the owners came back with. So, And you know what? You know where, why they did it that way. You know, set the table, get it. 
and do nothing. And then what's all the talk about today? The Super Bowl. What's all the talk going to be about Monday? What happened in the Super Bowl? And so they get away with doing it the way they did it yeah. because of when they did it. And it's really annoying. Uh, and if you're not already following Eugene Friedman on Twitter, you need to because mm -hmm. I firmly believe he does the best job of trying to uh, encapsulate everything we're experiencing uh, with it. And when he called John Heyman MLB's personal mouthpiece, I lost it. I was just like amazing it's because it's so true. Uh, but you got to follow Eugene's recaps because he does a really good job. Not to discredit anybody else's work, but I find Eugene speaks uh, in terms and phrases it the way I like to read it. Uh, and uh, yeah, you got to kind of follow it there. But the fact they did it when they did it, uh, just, just kind of ridiculous. Uh, but yeah. they're getting away with it. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about the fact that they, they did it. I thought maybe, hey, they were going to do it because it was going to be such a great offer. The players would accept it, and it would try to overshadow, which would be stupid. That's what I thought, reason. too. Uh, and, of course, no, it's the exact opposite reason. They want that story buried. Um, I, I will say that it, it feels like MLB, the ownership, is losing the uh, the public war right now because I don't think you know many people are really buying what the owners are putting out and hopefully that will put enough pressure on them to make an actual deal. Uh, let let let's let's jump into these questions, right? So we have a ton of questions from Twitter. Uh, I am live streaming this. Usually we only live stream it for the Patreon, but I figured it's a question episode. Live stream it out to anybody. If you have questions while we're on the air, put them in the chat. We'll try to get to them uh, towards the end. Um, let's, uh, start with, uh, the first one It's from Mike Carter on Twitter. Good friend of ours. Mm -hmm. uh, who is one boring SP you like to target later? Also, who is one SP target in dynasty? You must have you being the SP streamer. And these are mostly pitching questions anyways. <laughs> um, go ahead, Michael, sh start us off. Um, yeah. So the boring SP that I've been targeting a lot is actually Ryu. Um, I know he had a down season last year, but, um, you know, he played in a very difficult ballpark, which we all know. And, uh, he had a, a, it wasn't actually a high home run rate, but it was very high compared to his career average. And he never, he doesn't typically let up that many home runs. So I really think that that stadium kind of hurt him. And, um, I think that's going to come back down below one, which will really help that ERA drop again below four. Uh, so I think you could get like a pitcher from him that could be like high three ERA, if anything. Um, hopefully he could stay healthy too. And then obviously he had that whole family issue too, where he said that he couldn't see his family. It really messed with him mentally. Mm -hmm. um, but now this season, they're actually going to be there with him. So that won't be an issue. So I think there's a lot there where it's kind of just an outlier season, in my opinion. I think that he should bounce back nicely. Jason, who's one boring guy that you're drafting? Uh, Andrew Heaney. It was, mm -hmm. Is he going to qualify for this? Yeah, I've done sure. three drafts. I've done three DCs, and I've taken them in all three. Uh, I took them at 25-3 uh, uh, in a 12-teamer. I took them at 18 uh, in a uh, – 18 in the 18th round of both of my 15 team DCs. Uh, so, but I would have said Ryu as well. Cause I agree with uh, everything mm -hmm. Michael uh, said. Cause I also have, I took Ryu for, uh, and, and one of the other ones for the same types of reasons uh, with that. But I would say Heaney uh, only because I I'm three for three uh, and taking him. So he's a, an old boring guy, but uh, the other one that I've, that I've seen come up 
uh, targeting wise, and not not that I targeted him, but I was very happy to see him hanging around the 14th round with Sonny Gray. Uh, only oh, yeah. you know because we don't know where things are going to be in Cincinnati. But I took him to lead off the 14th round in one of my uh, in my other DC uh, there, and I was just really surprised he was there because that's the league I I went pocket aces for the first time. I took Woodruff uh, and Bueller right out of the gate, and then didn't take another starter until I picked up Gray in the 14th round. Uh, and so felt better about because I've never tried the strategy, but figure 15th. Let me see how I can build the team out. Um, and I'm feeling better about this team as I'm going on. But getting a guy like Gray in the 14th uh, certainly made uh, made me feel better about going two starters and then going three relievers <laughs> because Kimbrell had fallen into the 12th and I couldn't pass that up either. Uh, so uh, took me four, took me to the 14th round to get my third starter, but it's working. I like. I feel like Gray is almost like Ray last year. I mean, not to the extent, but he's going later where he has the past three seasons. He's had a high strikeout rate, and it's kind of I'm I'm perplexed as to why he's going where he's going because I feel like even if he, uh, I guess, doesn't perform that well, he still is going to get you those strikeouts, and I kind of mm-hmm. feel like that's what Ray was last year. Yeah. Um, so I feel like he's a really good buy right now. Based on ADP. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little bit deeper uh, because you guys took mine because I, I, I wanted to talk about <laughs> both those guys. And I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about Steven Matz again, uh, even though I will be taking Steven Matz like in every draft I'm in uh, this year at, at the price. Uh, let's talk about Cole Irvin, who is going like after pick 500, uh, mm-hmm. in which all at that point you want is someone who can maybe go 120 innings. And he went like 170 last year. And for the most part, we're pretty good until he completely fell apart. But I think a lot of people can, or I think we can blame, you know, going from the shortened season to the longer season on that. Pitches in a great ballpark. Uh, it seems like the A's are going to be pretty bad. So the win potential is going to be pretty bad. But if you're just looking for innings in a DC Cole Irvin going outside the top 500 is is way too good of a deal to pass up. He's just going to accumulate strikeouts very, very slowly, but throughout the season. So, uh, I'm assuming Caprillion's in the same range now? I think Caprillion's going a little bit higher. Uh, okay. Caprillion is going 150 picks higher. He's going at oh, wow. 345. I like Caprillion, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take Cole Irvin 150 picks later. Uh, if that's what I'm looking for. Or get both. I'm not not opposed to getting both. Uh, What about a dynasty must-have? Is there a dynasty must-have starting pitcher for you? I'll I'll go first on this one, actually. No, there is no dynasty must-have pitcher. (laughs) The life of a pitcher is short, usually, right? Um, Mm. It's not as long as a hitter. There's no such thing for me as a dynasty must-have pitcher uh, especially if you're in any sort of rebuilding phase, it's always about building up my hitting and then figuring out the pitching later. So for me, there's no such thing as a dynasty must-have pitcher. Simeon, is is there? I mean, I, I yeah, so when I saw this question, I don't play dynasty. I actually just jer- joined my first dynasty league this year. Um, so I, I like didn't really know what route to go with this. I mean, I feel like there's the obvious, like Shane Boz. I mean – the guy's going to be a stud. Um, but I mean, that, that was all I really thought about. <laughs> it was like the, the young guys that are like obvious, you know what I mean? Um, Cause I'm not, I, I'm not too um, keen on uh, minor leaguers to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. 
Jason, do you have a must-have dynasty uh, starting pitcher? Yeah, I'm not, I take the same approach as you all. Uh, yeah, I tend to – in my younger days, I was all about chasing the high upside arm, uh, and I have learned – uh, not to do that anymore. I, I will tell you in uh, in my local AL only league where we have uh, 17 reserve spots, uh, I used 16 of them on major league reserves or uh, hitting prospects. I used one spot on a pitching prospect, uh, and I'll recommend the same. And he wasn't even on an organization. He wasn't. He was still in college, uh, and I used this one spot on this one guy. And it worked because the Angels drafted him, and that's Sam Bachman. Uh, so Sam Bachman from the Angels is is the is the only pitching prospect I currently have on my team. Uh, but I really like Sam Bachman. Uh, you know, he is you know, he's the number two uh, prospect in the Angels organization. Uh, he's right there with Reed Detmers. Uh, is he going to be a reliever or a starter? I don't know, uh, but he's got really nice stuff. And from, from what I saw pitch in college. And what I read, I wanted to take a chance. So that's the one guy. Uh, if you're looking for somebody more major league ready uh, in that regard, uh, I we've talked about him on this uh, podcast a few times, but I'm still a, a really big Josiah Gray fan uh, and want to mm-hmm. see him just really take a big step forward this year uh, in in Washington. I've been yeah, I've been getting a lot of Josiah Gray this year. I'm 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 excited for for his first full season in the majors. Yeah. So. Those breaking balls look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he can just keep the ball in the yard, I think we're gonna yeah. have we're gonna have a really really good pitcher. Um, all right, the uh, the next question is what SP going after pick six hundred? So this is for either mono league players or for draft and hold uh, people. Once you're getting really late in the draft, uh, are you targeting Jason? Who you got? And this is from Drew is okay on Twitter. Wow, that's really late. So uh, one guy that I'm still looking back at some of the ones I've done, uh, I'm I'm looking at two guys in particular that I've taken late, uh, Miguel Yahure with Pittsburgh and Michael Lorenzen from the Angels. Uh, and I know it's weird to say Lorenzen's starter, but that's what he's signed for this year. Uh, and you go back, you know, he wanted to do this last year, got hurt, and that's been the problem with Lorenzen, uh, is his ability to stay healthy uh, despite him, you know, just being a physical freak. Uh, and But I I took him in the 49th round. Took him 49-3 uh, is where I uh, took him. I took Yahuri 47-3. Uh, but those are two arms that I was looking at later. But of the two, give me Lorenzen because we've seen what he can do. And the Angels are a good situation. Yahuri, it's everything you laid out about Cole Irvin could be the same thing. He could give you the innings, but it's going to be – everything else is going to be tough just because it's Pittsburgh. Uh, so I was really happy to get a guy like Lorenzo in the 49th round of a 15-team DC. All right, that was a 12-team DC, sorry. So um, barely – that wouldn't even be 600, but it was close enough. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> There's not many guys you're going to find as starting pitcher after 600. This was a really difficult question. There was yeah. only one guy I could even notice that I've, I've drafted regularly. Uh, Michael, who's your guy post-600? Uh, I was doing it with Griffin Canning. Nice. Um, I thought, well, at least when I looked at the ADP, he was past 600, but, um, yeah, I mean, I know he got sent down. Um, I was actually kind of surprised when they did that, but I think something was maybe going on with him. Maybe he's a little injured or something, but both of his breaking pitchers are pretty good. I mean, the slider had a swing strike percentage over 19%, the changeup over 18%. 
So I feel like he just has a lot of whiff capability and um, I feel like he will somehow work his way back into that rotation. And we're talking about post 600 here. So um, I, even if he only sees like 50 innings, but you know, at least he gets you some strikeouts. I think he's a decent grab there. Yeah. Justin, go to your guy. Cause I do have, an, I feel obligated to give somebody outside the top 600, <laughs> but you know, I got close, but I do have another name, but go yeah, ahead and do no, yours no, before you, I do mine. You do yours. Cause I've got three guys I could talk about. So. All right. Uh, the one guy and this guy's ADP as I'm looking here is like seven eleven. So it's Corbin Martin with Arizona. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he had, he was the, the key part of the Zach Granke trade. Uh, he, even though he was hurt at the time of the trade, he had Tommy John surgery three weeks before he was traded, uh, but they still wanted him. Uh, he is now two plus years removed from that surgery because he had a surgery early July of 19. Uh, you know, last year gave up 12 home runs in 43 innings. That was brutal. Uh, couldn't control, but that's what you expect from a guy coming back from Tommy John, who also had his rehab interrupted by not having uh, anywhere to pitch. Uh, and so with him, you look at his stuff pre-injury, he had four pitches that were graded about, uh, average to slightly above average, profiled as a number three starter. Uh, I believe there's going to be opportunity for him in Arizona at some point this year. Uh, you know, the rotation, we'll see what happens uh, with the with the pitching coach change. Uh, but, you know, they they added Dan Straley to the back end of that rotation. Uh, so I don't know if he's got a path right out of the gate, but it, you know, we're talking a draft and hold. Uh you can find a spot on your roster in the 49th or 50th round for, for Martin and see how that plays out. But, you know, before the injury, he was a highly valued guy and we've kind of forgotten about him because of the, what's happened the last two years with the injury. And then what he did last year, just giving up home runs every fifth batter. There you go. That was one of the guys that I had uh, marked down. Uh, the other two guys, uh, one is someone who is locked into a rotation spot, at least as it sits right now not the most amazing skills in paulo espino but it's a it's a decent mm. park uh and i you know he he showed some flashes that he might be serviceable and we're, that's what we're talking about and we're going after pick 600 another guy is well actually another two guys are two guys that have uh shown flashes of greatness um but have warts uh one is matt boyd going like around Oof. pick 680 something hmm. if he's healthy the Boyd boys when's he supposed to come back <laughs> who knows like yeah. we have no information like he didn't he didn't yeah. get surgery so uh i mean uh who knows maybe he's good maybe he does uh you know he pitches well this year doesn't end up needing surgery maybe he blows up right when he you know throws his first pitch in spring training but i mean when you when you're going as late as he is you're not going to find as much up that much upside that late in the draft so i think worth the gamble if you haven't added uh, a lot of injured guys or prospects uh to your team uh in a draft and hold uh the other is garrett richards I'm, i've always been a garrett richards mm-hmm. guy i you know i until the day he says he's done i i will go back to the well <laughs> not at least in one draft <laughs> year so uh who knows where he's gonna be if he's gonna be a starter or a reliever uh but he did finish the hasn't he kind of answered that question though Has he's he? a reliever <laughs> i think he should be uh, I, think, I think he should be given a high leverage reliever role but um i, I don't know I, I you know pitchers want to get paid as a starter so they're gonna they're gonna try to start for pitchers also have to pitch to get paid. This is true. Actually, no, they don't. They just have to pitch once, get hurt, and they still get paid. Uh, so get, and Garrett Richards point. has done that. <laughs> yeah. My Several point times. is much like Lamette, same kind of thing. 
we we've mm. seen a profile. The, the stuff can play up in short spurts, uh, but you you have trouble staying healthy. Then there's a role for you. Remember, Brad Lidge came up as a starter. <laughs> he was uh, uh, Billy Wagner in Denver got hurt, but you know he was the, used as a starter. I mean, these guys that used to be the old path is you're a starter until you show you that you're not anymore, either by lack of a third pitch or uh, a, a well-rounded repertoire or health concerns. Uh, and in Richard's case, it's pretty clear where he belongs. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next question is another one from Mike Carter. Uh, he says, are there places where it's inappropriate to stream? Uh, we're going to, we're going to try to stick to fantasy con fantasy baseball content here and, and not go. Is there a, a context direction. behind that? Did somebody yeah. stream from the bathroom? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite understand what this question was. So why don't we <laughs> just go into your Michael, you, you are the SP streamer. Um, you write streaming articles, uh, pretty I think daily, right at SP Streamer. Yeah. Um, so why don't you talk about your process in how you identify uh, a streaming pitcher, and are there times? Because like I do streaming articles over FanGraphs, um, and there are times where I go, there is no one worth streaming today because oh, I, yeah. I, you know, and people are like, oh, who's your guy? Like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put a crappy guy into my lineup. So what is your process, and then are there times where it's just not worth it? Yeah, uh, can you hear my dog? By the way, he's like, I can't. Okay. I, I apologize. Um, I just texted my wife. I was like, "You need to get him to stop, please." Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously there are points where, like you said, I mean, I I force myself to pick every day because you never know when someone needs to do it, and um, you know there are days where it's just no good option at all. Um, I found last season more so than anything. Um, that looking at a pitcher's numbers is a little more important than opponents. Um, and, you know, I really like to look at like the last three starts where a pitcher, you know, their K walk percentage was hot, you know, spiking up or their velocity was going up as well. Um, so I, I like to target those pitchers who are coming off these hot three starts and they, uh, they tend to perform better um, and continue that, you know, keep that going. Uh, plus, it can also help you, um, you know, spot guys who are breaking out as well. So that's a benefit as well from it. Jason, what's your uh, kind of process in terms of how you stream? And then are you uh, sometimes just avoiding the process altogether? <laughs> My process is normally reading other people's advice uh, on this <laughs> because quite honestly, I, mean, I, I do a weekly piece. So I don't I don't dive into the daily, uh, but I will I will take a look as if I'm sitting down to uh, especially if I'm doing DFS, try to take a, as Mike was saying, you know, looking at the most recent, like not the, not the last start, but the last three, and then try to look at different input points to decide, okay, this is where I'm going to go with it. Uh, but if I see, especially if I'm reading something that somebody else's advised and I'm like, huh, I want to dive into those numbers. I like, I like when I read something that challenges my uh, point of view or like, mm -hmm. why, why would I touch that guy? Oh, Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I, I, that's why I enjoy reading uh, other people's inputs to see where things are because I'm more of a weekly guy. I don't do daily things, but if I am sitting down on Sundays to figure out how I'm going to do my lineup, I mean, those are some of the inputs I look at. Obviously, it's oh, hey, it's two start week, uh, uh, and how to where I'm going to take a guy out. Is it is that one start that good? Where I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to leave him in even though I have a two start option. Uh, it used to be like. Oh, I'm going to throw a two-star guy in there because it's two starts, but 
uh, no, uh, I've learned that lesson too. Uh, that's the great thing about this sport. It humbles you sometimes. So, uh, it's really, it, you know, sometimes it's, it's worth, it's, it's quality versus quantity. And no matter what, you're going to run into those blowups too. It's just going to okay. happen. And as Justin knows, cause me and Justin kind of talked throughout the season cause he was doing it. I was doing it. And we're, um, like each looking at each other's numbers kind of, and like, it was weird the same month, like we both had a terrible month and it's just mm -hmm. sometimes no matter how much effort and data you put into it, baseball is so unpredictable. And um, if all these pitchers are getting lit up, then your numbers aren't going to be good. And it doesn't matter who you choose sometimes. So it's, it's yeah. really tough. It's a very hard thing to do. It was funny too, because the, the month I believe was June. You would think it would be like so, April yeah. Or you would think it would be like September, you know, pitchers are tying out, things, you know. But it was right. like it was right in the middle where we have enough information where it should be easier for us to kind of make the decision. Mm -hmm. But I just got shellacked. Like it was my only month where I had like an ERA over, you know, four over, um, and just it happens. Like Mike said, yeah. uh, you know, my process is kind of like a, a Venn diagram, right? I, I look at the matchups and then I look at the pitchers I like and I see where those kind of intersect. Um, right. I am very cautious, though. Uh, you know, one of the things I don't want to do is force it because there's nothing worse than having to work off the street, the bad stream you just had. Um, yeah. and, and so I think often people, especially in points leagues and head head formats, they really want to force it. You force it when you have to. Right. Like if right. you're on a Sunday, you need eight strikeouts you're like okay well these two guys are going into my lineup even though they suck uh but if you're playing early in the week you're playing um you know early in the season in roto like there's no reason to force it uh and, and put a bad streamer out there just to have someone i'd much rather stream a reliever yeah. uh you know th that i i feel more confident in hey he may only get an inning but at least it'll be a good inning as opposed to streaming uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a good example of a bad color. Oh, I was going to screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, Trevor Williams, like in a Steven bad spot. How dare you? Even Matt. <laughs> no, I mean, and to your point, to your point, though, it's it's like there's this the, there's the funnel right in the beginning mm. of the year. You're like you're you're more you're likely to take changes yeah well you're more likely to take True. chances because you're yeah. wide open and then as you get closer to the finish line then it really doubt it comes down to your inputs it's like you know yeah i'm trying to chase strikeouts but it's you know there's this movement here and so you're you're less willing to take chances the closer you are uh towards the end of the season uh because you know you can see that you can see the, the finish line especially in some of those tight situations uh with it where it's like do you weigh the chance of a blow up? Like, let's say, like using last year. Okay, Desclafani's got that outing against the Dodgers. I, I need, I need six strikeouts. But oh my God, it's the Dodgers, and he's been blown up twice. And I know there was one outing last year where he survived the outing against the Dodgers. There was one, but the other two were atrocious. And I, there's probably some people listening going, "Yep, I lost that week in a head-to-head -head because I sat him because <laughs> of that." Or somebody's like, "Yeah, I ended up winning that week because I took the chance, and he and he's able to survive that outing." after getting blown up by him the previous times. So I, I get it. Uh, you know, it just, as that, as you get towards the end of the season, sometimes you're, you're very narrow in your choices. But then other times you're like, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Uh, and sometimes you yeah. get rewarded for that. And sometimes you get punished pretty hardly, uh, pretty hard, hardly. Ugh. 
Hard. One of the one <laughs> of the things that I like to focus on with my streaming early on in the season is protecting my ratios. Um, you know, and so like I, I want to try to set as good of a base, a foundation base. And, and we're talking about in a roto league. Um, so like if you're early on in the season, like I, I'm gonna, you know, I might avoid the sh- you know, big strikeout guys that have really high volatility and giving up home runs or walking a lot of guys, uh, just because I want to set that really strong foundation for mm-hmm. my uh for my ratio so that way if i do need strikeouts later i can you know stream the hell out of guys and just pump guys in and hope that it's not going to tank my ratios that i built up see i took brad keller though thinking that same thing the mm-hmm. first week and he got destroyed by the rangers so yeah he didn't make it's, he didn't it's really just <laughs> he didn't get yeah, out was, he had five runs was, you know, uh, no outs five runs i think that was my hits. first like stream of the of the year and that, that was yeah. great. Yeah, mine was. I remember that He was against he was against Kyle Gibson. Neither guy made it out. Yes, of the first and Gibson got rocked. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine was Mike Miner going up against Texas, which didn't end yeah. super well either. So, uh, yeah, you know, and hopefully you don't have to stream <laughs> so much early on in the season uh, outside yeah. of your head to head formats because you you want you want a little base of information before you, you know, and spring training is not information. Well, sometimes so. you do. Sometimes yeah. you have to though, because you do that smart strategy where you're, you take a pitcher that you know is going to be injured to start the season. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like if you think in, um, because uh, I see it, we, I see it often in talent and labor where somebody will take that guy, uh, take a pitcher late in the game that they know is going to miss the first couple of weeks, go ahead and take them anyhow. Uh, and then you can, then you have like three guys in your reserve list that you're going to, you're going to spin in and be like, okay, I'm going to take a chance with this guy, take a chance with this guy, take a chance with this guy. So sometimes you do have to do it right out of the gate because you've made the play where I'm going to take a guy that I know is not going to be ready to start the season. I would like this year, I would use Jamison Tyon as an example. Uh, If we start the season on time, it's unlikely he will start the season on time uh, as he recovers from his ankle surgery. So, you know, what do you do as you if you take Ty on late in the game? Uh, you're able to get him on a discount because other people are like, ah, you know, I'll let somebody else take the chance. Okay, fine, I'll take him. Now I've got to build out. I've got to build out my strategy for the first couple of weeks to uh, to cover while he's out. Uh, and you may have to start a Brad Keller, and, he, and maybe that's what happens to you on opening day. Uh, but like Brad Keller was my 50th round selection in, in one of my DCs, just to put him in perspective. Round mm. 50, there he was. There you go. Uh, I'm just looking at my my results. I had a really good year. I, I'm, I'm I'm proud of myself. Um, Three point eight two nine ERA, one point one nine WHIP in almost five hundred innings and four hundred sixty three strikeouts for for the season. So I'll not take bad. that. I do not know what mine is. <laughs> you not you didn't keep track. I did. I just, it's somewhere and I'm uh, trying to look for it. I can't find you, it. I know got, I have it somewhere. You've got like <laughs> 700 pages of a draft guide blocking up your computer right now. <laughs> um, I think this next question is for Michael. What's in the mug? <laughs> it depends on the day. It's um, sometimes it's coffee and sometimes it's tea. I like a, uh, I usually go with a, um, uh, a black tea. Mm, okay, uh, th- this is a this is a reference for for those who don't know. Uh, Michael does uh, 
uh, did you know segments on TikTok, and I think you put them you put them on Twitter too. I put them on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, you put them on Instagram too. Instagram, mm-hmm. I put them everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, so it's some it's some interesting information you may not have known, but he always takes at least one, sometimes two sips of his mug, <laughs> and there has been some questions to whether or not there's actually anything in that mug. Uh, I have shown to the camera once that there actually I, is I in fact. Story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta, maybe I'll just start drinking from a clear Mason jar like this. Yeah, and then this way people could sit. I highly recommend <laughs> anything with the name Mason in it. So See, there's just coffee in this one in my awesome Ron Swanson pyramid of greatness mug, mm-hmm. big fan of the four Sigmatic coffee. Uh, and so that's, that's what's in this mug because we record, uh, midday. I do tea at night, but, uh, mm. big, big fan of the four Sigmatic right. coffee. For for those wondering, uh, I, I drink uh, Rockstar Recoveries, um, so the, the orange variety, or I'm drinking water. Uh, my my child yesterday, my my eldest, uh, eleven years old, asked my wife apparently like, do do all adults drink coffee? And neither my wife or I drink coffee, um, so they have never seen us drink coffee. And my my wife kind of looked at them kind of a little like weirdly like you, you know i don't drink it oh your coffee is scotch and then apparently my coffee is podcasting so this is my coffee it's early in the morning <laughs> so i guess how i wake up but i thought that was pretty That's very funny, funny. Yeah. that is pretty funny um who is your favorite late round flyer? That's from at Son of Marlins Man, uh, Jason. Who you got? Who's your favorite late round flyer? Favorite late round flyer. Uh, what are we talking late round? Are we talking reserve? I'm trying to. I don't want to use the same. Let's say know, after uh, round. Yeah, I'd say after round twenty three. Okay, because I don't. What I'm trying to do is avoid using the same kind of names that mm-hmm. we have on other ones. Like it, it's been frequently stated uh how much i do like uh cesar hernandez as a, as a late round flyer this year so that one i don't want to repurpose that one so i'm trying to look back at some of the other ones that i've uh, i've looked at that make interesting so at catcher cal raleigh uh because I really believe in the power upside there uh you know tom murphy i know there's some crap there's a crowd there around him with with tom murphy and larice torrens but i believe cal raleigh has the highest upside offensively of that group and so I want to. Uh, I have taken him in one league already. Uh, wouldn't mind having him in, in more. Uh, and then I would say another one. Uh, another one staying on the catcher theme because uh, he doesn't qualify catcher is Matt Tice. Uh, he is or Face, however you want to pronounce his name. Is it Rasmussen? Rasmussen. Uh, anyhow, uh, Matt, because uh, Matt Face is at first base, but he's going to catch this year. Uh, and so I took him in round 46 of one of my DCs as my fifth first baseman, but my fourth catcher. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very intrigued there, especially with the way catchers are playing out. If you're looking for a non catcher name, uh, with that and a name that we have not discussed, uh, here on this, uh, on this podcast, I took uh, a Another late dart uh, on uh, who's the other late dart I took? I took a late dart on Kyle Isbell uh, in Kansas City. So that's another one I would give. I know they're all AL guys. Sorry, but uh, that's where I am. <laughs> 
Simeon, who, who's your, who are some of your late round targets? Yeah, I kind of just went to the teams I have now and looked at, you know, who I have a lot of shares of that um, are have been basically bench players. Uh, so I went with two pitchers. I mean, I've only done DCs. So one important thing, obviously, is innings pitch. And I feel like mm-hmm. Kyle Freeland is just going really late and he's yeah. going to get you a ton of innings. And he does go on those crazy stretches where he pitches very well, um, even in cores. Um, so if you could catch those two, that'll help you. And then the other one is uh, just Luke Weaver. Um, I just like him because he has the history. Uh, he did have you know one really good season. Um, I do like the cutter, plus the new pitching coach is coming in, so maybe he can unlock something there with Luke Weaver. There you go. Uh, I, I just pulled up my my uh, you know team uh, player shares page mm-hmm. over on NFBC and kind of looking at uh, some of the guys I've been grabbing a lot. Um, Kyle Finnegan, uh, you know, I think there's a legitimate shot. He's the closer to start the season. Uh, I've talked a lot about him. Cole Tucker is a guy going super super late. If uh, you know if he can find a full time role. Um, he could be uh, something really special, especially in the speed department. Uh, Brett Sutter uh, is a guy that he's a relief pitcher, and he hit like ten or eleven wins last year. So, uh, you know, when you're there, when you're uh, in, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say in in our uh, membership Discord, there's this one member who's obsessed with him, and mm-hmm. um, I got him a cameo from him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, it was it was pretty funny. He was because uh, I said in there, I said he always says that you're going to win Cy Young, and in the video, he's like, I don't know if a middle relief pitcher's ever won Cy Young, but I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other guys, uh, Victor Robles going pretty late. Uh, Bobby Bradley, if you need power late, uh, is a guy that I think you know he's going to. The uh, Guardians have said he's going to be the uh, you know the full-time first baseman to start the year. So that's not a great lineup, man. I was looking at them yesterday. It's not, it's not. Wow. (laughs) I mean, even if if you try to platoon things, you try to look at platoon situation, you know, like yuck. If Mm -hmm. you want to believe you want to, you, we have to hope that uh, Josh Naylor can bounce back from his, his surgery to basically have his ankle reattached uh, after breaking it. Cause I mean, he's only 25 or turning 26 this year. You want to believe in the upside, but that team, Outside of Jose Ramirez, like if I'm them, I trade him for the farm, literally somebody's farm system. Mm-hmm. Like here, you know, you want him. I want these guys because uh, they need a reset because it is uh, after you get past the top four. It's like <laughs> I would not be surprised if they <laughs> yeah. try to move him. Uh, Bradley Zimmer on that list. Uh, Nick Martinez on that list. Uh, Chris Stratton on that list. Hmm. Uh, Michael Lorenzen. As much as I've given you hate, I've gotten him late in a bunch of leagues this year uh, on 50% of my drafted teams. Because so you're afraid far. he's going to kick your ass. I mean. No, because there's, there's, there's no price attached. And he, like you said, he's going to start this year. So, yeah. um, you know, I think this so, is. So, yeah, the Angels are paying Thor $21 million this year, and they're paying Lorenzen eight. And it's like, to me, this is Lorenzen hand. Give me Lorenzen as much as possible, uh, based mm-hmm. on because somebody was asking me the other day, like, what do you think? Thor pitches, do you think he can get the 160? And I laughed. I'm like, no. Uh, I know they're only paying him for one year, but you know, to me, I've said 170 is a new 200. So 160 is like the new 180. No, 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 no. But you know, Lorenzen, I you know, uh, what I want to see is you know, you mentioned um 
uh, Mike Miner earlier, but who am I think CJ? You remember when CJ Wilson made the jump from the bullpen to the starting rotation uh, and had that one good right out of the year? Like he trained, he started training for that the season before. So when he hit, he made he made the transition right over and did well that first year. It's like that's what I want to see out of Lorenzen. I want to see this stuff play up, and I want to see him take on the workload, and I want to see his body hold up uh, and not fail him again. Uh, Richard Sands in the chat letting us know it was twelve wins. For Sutter last year, that's that's it was awesome. It was great to have him on a number yeah. of teams. I'm just it was unlike it was unlike Usmero Petit, who had seven wins in five weeks and then had two more the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. he had seven wins going into mid May, and then he I know I had, nine. I I had Petit, yeah, I had a Petit on a lot of teams. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's see. Uh, another question uh, that's a little bit off the wall uh, from Matt Williams on Twitter. Why do you hate pancakes there, Mike? <laughs> um, there's actually a story behind it. So, like, you know, like, in college when you drink and, like, you, you drink that one liquor that, like, sets you over the edge and you can't, like, go near it again because, like, bigger. you threw up from it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I was, when I was like, middle school, I want to say. Um, you drank I, in middle I school? Had, I had no, I had pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got really, really sick from it. And ever since then, I just like could never look at them again. Were they homemade uh, or were they I from just... a restaurant? No, they were homemade. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I have no idea if there was even a re- like any relation there, like if it, if so, it was the pancakes, but I just, I can't do it. I can't look every time I look at them and just see their how, texture. I just like, nah, no. Nah, nah. So we, when we were in F <laughs> together, we all, a bunch of us went out to breakfast, yes. like 10 of us went out to breakfast. You all tortured me. And uh, Mike Curlin ordered their pancakes, their pancake special. And no joke, this thing was the size of an extra large pizza. And there were two massive. of them. They they give you a pizza box to box. take it home in, um, and they have to cut it in half first so they can fit it inside this large pizza box. Um, so that must have been torture. Yeah, um, I just keep it to myself. Okay. You did a good job because I, mean, I can't I, tell people that I don't order something. I, yeah. I, See, just, I, would, I just look focus on my food. I'll tell you, I have uh, my similar is. Uh, uh, what's it? The uh, uh, roast beef, not the French dip. French dip, anything French. Oh, I dip. love French dip. See, I was in middle school. <laughs> very similar story. I was in middle school. Uh, I want to say, uh, Dad took us to Arby's or some kind of spinoff, some kind of Arby's in Texas, and I remember eating French dip sandwich, and it was no. And so I cannot eat French dip to this day. I can't touch it. There you go. I I have no food. Or drink like this, um, <laughs> yeah. But then, then again, I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic for a reason because I, I like things too much. So uh, uh, that was my dog. I just farted. <laughs> sure was. So you saw me look. I'm like, what? Uh, All right, here, so. let's uh, <laughs> let's move on and uh, let's talk about the NLDH, but for pitchers. So, does the NLDH mean more pitchers could earn quality starts instead of being pulled early? And that's from at Hardball on Twitter. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on this? Does this you think it means that we're going to see NL pitchers get more quality starts? No, no, I don't. Um, you know, there's a good Todd Zola's got a good piece up at Roto Wire uh, about the impact of the the universal DH on that. But I honestly don't because the research doesn't change. Uh, if anything, I think it impacts a little more. <clears throat> pardon me, because 
maybe DNL manager's like, oh, I don't have to pitch it. I'm going to go ahead and leave this guy out here for the third time through in the middle, in the heart of the lineup instead of that decision being made for them. They're like, oh, he's going to hit second this inning. I'm going to go ahead and take him out. Uh, now they may be more willing to leave the guy out there, uh, and it, it, it could hurt. Maybe they get an extra strikeout, but maybe they could also lose that. So the getting the sixth inning part isn't what I'm concerned about. It's the it's the uh, the earned run requirement of that uh, particular piece is is where I'm concerned because you're going to see a little more exposure to it. And Todd's article talks about the difference. It's been about a quarter run difference between the two leagues, uh, if I'm recalling. Uh, correctly on this, been about a quarter run difference uh, in things, but then you also have to consider the impact of strikeouts as well uh, on these pitchers because you know forty four percent of pitcher at, or forty six percent of pitcher plate appearances were ending in strikeouts, so those are going away uh, now. That you're not going from forty six to zero, you're going from forty six to you know probably mid twenty. So, but you have to adjust that as well uh, with some of these pitchers. But it is nice to go into draft season and not have to worry. Oh, am I taking an AL or an NL pitcher? You're taking a pitcher. Uh, and not having to worry about the differences of that. Because there have been times where I've walked out of a mixed draft. I'm like, ooh, I've got six American League pitchers. Yikes. Didn't mean to do that because I'm just, you know, just pitcher as a pitcher as a pitcher. I'm not taking league context into mind. But uh, factor in those things. Go check out Todd's piece. Uh, Simeon, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I I mean, I don't have the mathematic capability as Tazola, But um. Yeah, I mean, I just thought off the top of my head, I mean, yeah, sure, they might be left in, but then they're also facing an actual hitter instead of pitchers, um, which could, you know, I guess three times instead of, you know, instead of three pitchers. So um, I feel like that could obviously affect them too and how long they last in games also. Um, so I, I basically agree with everything Jason was saying. Yeah, so the, uh, what I did, I wish that, Fangraphs had uh, quality starts as a stat listed on their site. But what they do have is I could sort the leaderboard by league stats by American League and National League uh, and look how many innings pitch starters through in 2021. And there is a difference of about uh, 40 innings between the American League starters and National League starters last year. So that's it. 40 innings out of 12, you know, over 12,000 innings mm -hmm. uh, in total between or each uh, league. So 24,000 total innings. So there isn't much of a difference. I don't think this is, I, you know, I think there's obviously going to have an effect on starting pitchers not being able to face the pitcher in the National League and you're going to lose some strikeouts there. Uh, but yeah, I don't, it, there may be some anecdotal evidence that, you know, certain pitchers on certain teams get a little bit more so teams maybe in the national league that were very very quick to pull the trigger i'm thinking like the giants a team that like to do a lot of double switches and bring guys in and, and play matchups maybe on the giants there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of added boost for guys like alex wood or anthony descalfani um but uh, I, I think overall it's probably not going to have as big of an impact as we'd like to see no. So I'm staring at a board. I sent you a link in private chat, mm -hmm. Justin, uh, that you can include in the show notes. So I'm staring at a board that said the league average for start for quality starts last year for a team was 53. Uh, was the league average of the high end was Oakland uh, at 76, and the low end was Pittsburgh at 25. Yes. Baltimore had more quality starts than Pittsburgh had last year. Uh, but number two, 
Number two was the Dodgers at 74. Number three was the Brewers at 70. Number four mm. was the Reds at 68. Number five was the Rockies at 68. So National League was already getting quality starts. They were already getting the volume. Uh, now, the percentage-wise, the league-wide percentage was 33%, and all those teams were above 42%. So they were already getting the quality starts in this capacity. So maybe it's the other way. Maybe they're going to get fewer now. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're going to lean on the bullpen. But when I'm looking at two, three, four, five, uh, six was an AL, then the Atlanta, then the Astros, then the Giants. So we're talking seven of the top nine or six of the top nine were already National League teams. Yeah, I think that brings up an interesting point because you have to remember in order to, you know, usually when you're bringing in uh, a reliever in the National League, you're doing it so that way you can hit for the pitcher, right? And you're having to burn a member of your bench in order to do so. So maybe teams are more aggressive because they're not having to worry about burn, you know, a person on that bench. In they're order carrying to, 13 man, the, thir- the yeah. eight man bullpens. Yeah. Yeah. They can do it. <laughs> That's a really interesting point. I will definitely, I will include that link in the show notes for everyone. A really good question. Thank you. I, I like that one. Uh, pick three pitchers going outside the top 50 that could potentially finish inside the top 25 there, Michael. Yeah, um, I assume they meant top 50 SPs, right? Not overall, I'm guessing. I believe they did. Okay. Um, Why, yeah, when, so, is, when is NFBC going to fix that so we can sort by pitcher? Uh, it's really brutal. getting annoying. I know. It's like it makes no sense to me. Um, I am going to – so I picked uh, three. Uh, one was Zach Gallen, um, just because I think if he's healthy, he could be a monster of a pitcher. Uh, Sonny Gray, who we already discussed because I like, I like the high strikeout rate. It's just a matter of him being healthy too and getting the innings. And then I don't believe it, but he's going so late where it definitely is a possibility if he's fully healthy and clearly Clayton Kershaw. Um, if he could pitch the whole year, there's no doubt he could be top 25. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, those are some good uh, calls. Jason, you got three? So uh, what I'm going to do for – uh, loose rule of thumb here is I'm, I'm going to look at pitchers outside the top 65 because I'm mm-hmm. figuring 50 starting pitchers and 15 relievers because uh, that mm-hmm. feels like how the market uh, and so trying to again also trying to avoid names we've already discussed uh, which takes off Sonny Gray for for me because I've I've spoken often about him uh, Jordan Montgomery takes away Sandoval you and Paul have talked about him enough uh, you talked about him at length uh, even in the last episode we've already talked about Ryu uh, you guys also talked about Joe Ryan. You're eliminating a lot of my choices here, uh, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, but I will say because, and only because I've only been able to get him in one league, and I, I still want more shares. I still want Tristan McKenzie, uh, only as somebody with the skills. He's he's one skill away. And if he can get better command, because he the league really struggled to hit his non-fastballs. And if he can get ahead in counts and use those, he could take a significant jump forward quickly. Uh, and so I really do like him. Uh, so I'm going to use him, even though we've talked about him a couple of times on this. Uh, three, I'm trying to find some other guys that get using without, you know, without using some of the other guys that we've already discussed. That's the that's the struggle. There's been so many names. Uh, Michael Kopech, because I'm going to believe that he's going to get the he's going to hold up workload wise. Uh, and then finally, I will throw another dart at a name we haven't used. Wow, this gets tough. Uh, Jesus Lazardo. Deep, mm. deep dart because he's mm. way down there. He's one twelfth on the pitcher list. 
a list of pitchers, not pitcher lists. I'm not blaming the site. Uh, but <laughs> again, I, I want to see uh, I want to see him continue to build off how he closed the season last year uh, with that. So those are three names I'll give. All right. Uh, you guys took a lot of mine. Uh, uh, Sonny Gray's a guy like I've really turned around on kind of in draft season where I went, I've got him way too low. He's going way too low yeah. in drafts. Um, Kopech is a guy that is really, really interesting to me. I think it depends a lot about what his workload's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, all the TJ Returny guys, right? They're you know they're all former mm-hmm. studs in their own right. Syndergaard, um, Clevenger, uh, well Verlander's not going late, but uh, Severino, like they're all studs. I, I just tend to not draft those guys in their first season back, uh, so I won't be drafting them. Uh, other guys that I think uh, you know have some really interesting uh, upside. Uh, we, we talked about Hyunjin Ryu. He's going outside the top 50 starters. Um, Alex Wood is a guy that, again, health piece. If he can stay healthy for a full season, I could see him having in, uh, another, uh, you know, a top 25-like year in San Francisco. Um, I guess Wainwright could. Yeah, I mean, he just did. Yeah. So like he was a top I'm pretty sure he was a top twenty five starter. So So I got one I got one for both of you guys. Uh on the heels of something Eno wrote recently, uh talking about pitchers uh potential rebounds, uh and Justin close to home for you with Madison Bumgardner. You know, he had he let off a piece, mm. he talked about four guys and he said how uh, whose stuff that he was taught had a stuff plus piece. Uh, talking about how some guys were recovering late in the year, and he meant to be let off with Bumgarner, talking particularly the curveball. But right now, you know, Bumgarner's ADP is 446. He's a 176 pitcher. He's got as high as 301 uh, with that. And I know, like, you know, last year was ugly. Um, and even the projections, most of them have a ZRA over five, but you know, yeah. Eno's a market mover. Uh, the piece really lays out why, you know, go back another chance. I'll be transparent and, and say that I considered it based because that was part of the research. I considered it because I just, while we were here on the air, uh, made some selections, but I, at the turn of the 21st and the 22nd, but I took Josiah Gray uh, because I already said he was one of the guys mm-hmm. I really liked, and I took him mm-hmm. uh, there. But I let Bumgardner go, but I did consider him here at this spot. Uh, but I took Gray and Cesar Hernandez because I needed a middle infielder uh, with that spot as well. But I'm curious about where you guys are on Bumgardner making a bounce back. Not as a top 25 guy. <clears throat> I think those days are over. But how much more willing are you to uh, add him to your roster uh, without even having ready, you know, stuff, just understanding that his stuff plus really improved uh, over the final couple of months. I don't know if I would consider him. I don't think I see him having a, like a bounce back, I guess. Like I don't see him going some 40, right? But I do like him for draft champions because um, the innings, I figure like he could easily get 170, 180 innings. And um, we did see the velocity come back up a little bit too. Um, again, new pitching coach, maybe he could figure something out with him. Um, I do have several shares of him though, because again, if, if you need a guy who's going to get you innings at that, you know, price point, he's the guy to go to. To be honest, I'd have to go back and watch him starts. Um, and so like I, I watched his last start. It was against the giants. Um, uh, you know, and it was, it was the last time Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner were going to get to face. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I watched that one. I, I did not come overly in, come away overly impressed by his in zone command. And I mean, for Bumgarner to be successful, he has to he has to have that in zone command. It's the thing that's been missing, you know, kind of from his arm since that ATV accident is his ability to hit spots within the zone. 
Um, so I'll go back and watch a few starts. You know, love Eno, love his work. He's really, really good at what he does. So um, I'll go back and I will. Uh, I'll go back and maybe watch maybe his last month of starts and see uh, if I see what uh, his uh, his model is, is putting out there. Uh, because I would be interested if he if he's back to having the in zone command we saw in San Francisco, then I think mm-hmm. he can be very very successful in a place yeah. like Arizona, which is a great place to pitch. So, uh, but okay. I gotta I gotta go watch it. Like I you know I don't I don't think I think numbers miss on guys like him. Um, you know the same way yeah. that numbers miss on another guy who could be one of those top twenty five guys because he's been a top twenty five guy in the past going super late in Kyle Hendricks. I haven't drafted Kyle Hendricks. Because I really need to see something from, you know, how he works within the zone. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's another one of those guys that, that could jump up. Well, I think the thing, too, is that the change of the ball, I just feel like it hurt all of these command guys. So yeah. hopefully they MLB doesn't do that ever again and, like, change it several times in the season without telling anyone. Well, and the lack um, of sticky stuff can, when, you're, yeah, when, when you're relying upon, you know, pinpoint placement. You know, and you, and you go from being able one day to be able to use the sticky stuff and the next day not. Like, of course, there's going to be slippage. And, um, mm. you know, we talked about this a lot coming into 2021, even before we knew they were going to change the ball midseason or eliminate uh, uh, sticky stuff, is that th- those guys have a smaller margin for error, right? And if that if if anything goes wrong it could be disastrous and that's what it was for hendrix and you can't fix that and you can't fix that in a start as and i'm trying to believe like i'm trying to remember even eno said you know it took it took bummy a little bit to get that back and he showed a graph and you know we've we've had the conversation about how garrett cole took some time to adjust and that's like the best guy you know <laughs> if a guy at that caliber is going to take like four to six stars to reset his process you know it's going to take some other guys longer and that's where i'm really curious to see all these guys come out um uh, and right. pitch this year when we get to see him pitch because you know they now had uh off season to adjust try to work on some things and we'll see how you know if they look at it and say you know what i can't throw that pitch anymore that that's going away i'm going to add this uh, or now that I know how the ball feels, I know how I need to manipulate it. Like I really enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, pitching ninjas videos that we talked to with Marcus Stroman about how he throws four different types of fastballs and what he does with them. And then Kevin Gossman and the splitter, it's like learning how these guys are doing all that is just mind blowing. Uh, cause you know, when I pitched, uh, you know, it was, I'm just happy to throw it over the plate, but what these guys <laughs> are able to do with finger placements and, pressure and i'm gonna turn it's like all this crazy stuff that i never got the coaching uh, on how to do that but it's just yeah. that's the fast why i'm so fascinated with listening on how they're doing what they're doing um because last year it's just like okay here's a tool oh by the way uh you can't do this with it oh you can't do that with it and oh never mind give me that tool back here's this one try this one and well oh, please yeah. go out and perform at a high level right it's crazy <laughs> Uh, last guy I'll mention just because it's uh, it's worth a meme. Uh, a guy that was a former top ten pitcher going outside the top fifty starters that had a strong-ish finish to his season was Patrick Corbin. Um, mm. So uh, I've taken the gamble a few times. I'm not going to overlook my team with him, though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he's another guy that I, I'm I, I've taken a, a fifteen-team draft and hold. I would take a chance on. Right, yeah, why not? yeah, right yeah. at that point. All right. Uh, next question is uh, John Means or Patrick Sandoval? Uh, 
And uh, I'll start with you on this one, Jason. And this is from Marty Tallman, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago. Was it like was it last week or two weeks ago? Last uh, honestly, I don't know. my my days in <laughs> might have been last. Justin, I think it was not. last week. It was like because Carlos was two weeks ago, so yeah, Marty was right. just on last week. It's been uh, a long week. Yes, <laughs> he had the best hat so far. He had the fedora, and uh, mm-hmm. that's yes, he oh, had the best hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go Sandoval because I'm even even with the back issues uh, that you and Paul did a good job of talking about in last episode. Uh, it's still a better situation, uh, and until John Means is relocated out of Baltimore, and yes, I know they're moving the fences and whatnot, but John Means still has the Baltimore bullpen behind him, and he still has the questionable defense behind him, uh, and they can put up runs uh, and get run support, uh, but he's still pitching in the AL East. Uh, he still has a bad bullpen behind him, uh, even though there are some components of it I like. The the non-A bullpen uh, is really bad, uh, and so that's where I have my concerns, whereas Sandoval's got better supporting cast around him. Uh, so even with the, the back trouble, I'm still going to go Sandoval there. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to draft means uh, in a number of leagues, and I've passed on him every time. I, I just can't get the he pitches in Baltimore with that supporting cast out of my head. Uh, I'd rather take a chance. Uh, in one league, in fact, I think I took Tyler Wells before I touched before I even touched means because uh, hmm. saves saves are there. But yeah, uh, I, I, I John doesn't mean business for me. I, I people keep repeating that. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's still bad business overall. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. He gets the edge. Uh, San Diego gets the edge for me just because of means division. Um, they both. I like both their stuff. They both have really good changeups, but. Just a harder division makes him difficult to to take him. Um, and then Sandoval, I think you – the only thing maybe you have to worry about is the Angels probably going to go six-man rotation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so he's probably going to see fewer starts than Means if Means stays healthy. But, again, I think the harder division kind of offsets that. So I think I would lean Sandoval as well. I'd say where you guys are going, and I have them like literally back to back. I've got Means at 56 and, and Sandoval at 57. The combination of that six man rotation and the back, though, is the reason I have him just a little bit lower. If I knew he was healthy coming into the season, um, and that made, you know, when, once we do get spring training, if he is pitching and pitching well, you know, I may change my mind on this. But uh, especially when we're talking about starters that late in a draft, I want innings. I want guaranteed innings. I feel like I'm going to get them from John Means, and hopefully, 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 the Orioles decide to trade. John That's another guy. <laughs> along with the along with the Jose Ramirez, I'll tell you in the AFL Writers League, some guy named Paul Spore took Sandoval. Yeah, never heard uh, of him. Fourteen six, <laughs> and then uh, Derek Van Riper took John Means sixteen three. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that two round discount, but. Uh, Paul, Paul, I think Paul's a little, yeah, we, we talked Paul's, about it. That was Paul's second starter. That's the, he took uh, Jack Flaherty as his first starter. I'm sorry, as his third starter. He took Jack Flaherty in the fourth. He took Lance Lynn in the sixth. And then he took Sandoval in the 14th. Hmm. After yeah. he has Class A and, and, and the older Barlow brother, um, Scott, um, as his two reliever. But yeah, he took Sandoval as his SP. I hope that uh, offense is really nice. <laughs> Always, he let it off with Albies and Trout, so that's always a good start. And then Alonzo, then Fran Mill, Grandal, uh, Akil Badu, of course, Justin Turner, uh, Brendan Rogers, O'Neill Cruz. So uh, it's a Paul team. He's got a lot of risk in there. Sounds uh, like he needs more speed. Yeah, that, that team is not good. I like a lot of those players. That, that team, team is, is not good. good. <laughs> that team is not good. It's a Paul team for sure. 
but he's got a lot of pitching risk because his SP's four is uh, Oscar Oscar Noah. So it's like, Ooh, wow. yeah, he needs a, he needs tough. an inning source. That, that he needs, team he needs gonna, somebody to give him some innings outside of Lynn. Yeah, that that team is going to be a problem. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm on record right now. Can't wait until he lists. I can't wait for the text. Nobody listens to this episode. I'll, I'll just send the audio. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all right. Last question is thoughts on Logan Webb, Charlie Morton, and you Darvish. Are they viable number two starters? And that is from at ENK917 on Twitter. Uh, Simeon, what are your thoughts? Are these three guys viable number twos? Um, yeah, I think you can work around all of them. Um, I personally like Webb the most out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in 17 starts last year, he allowed two earned runs or less. Um, I just was very impressed with Webb. Uh, Charlie Morin, I've been a big fan of him and telling everyone to take him just because a lot of people aren't really looking at him, even though he had a higher K walk last year than Giolito and Walker Bueller. Um, Darvish, I can see you building around him. Um, but I think he's definitely the riskier pick of the bunch. Um, he just scares me. I don't really know why. <laughs> That's sort of like more of a gut feeling for me. Um, but if you have him as your two and then say you like back him up with some, you know, high floor guys, um, I, you know, I couldn't really blame you for it. Jason, are these guys SP2s for you? Uh, they would be yes, uh, especially Darvish. I I want to I want back in. Uh, I continue to get sniped every time I try to get him. I end up getting sniped, uh, and it's annoying me. Uh, so I, like I had in in the uh, aforementioned Riders League, I took Jazz Chisholm at six thirteen, and I was all queued up to take you Darvish at seven three, and and Ray Murphy and Brent Hershey took you Darvish at seven one. Uh, just like they took Elias Diaz when I had them all queued up here uh, way back in, in round 18. So they have twice staked me, but I was all set to take Darvish uh, as my SP2 uh, after Aaron Nola. And I ended up going Eovaldi the next round. Uh, so, yes, I'm putting my 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 money where my mouth is and saying that. But, yes, that's where I, I wanted to get Darvish there. And that would have been uh, pick 93. Um, I know his ADP is hanging right around the top 100, uh, but – Again, I really thought I could get him there. And in fact, those two guys took Morton and Darvish back to back. And that's really, I remember sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to take Chisholm here because I really like Chisholm. One of these starting pitchers is going to make it back to mm-hmm. me because at that point, Carabell had already taken Gossman and Barrios. So I ruled him out. And then uh, Ray and Brent had already had Hendricks and Peralta. So I figured I'm pretty safe in getting one of these pitchers to come back. And they both went to the same team the in, in four picks in between. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, and so that's, I, I audible and went to Dalton Varsho, who I, I, you know, I've never taken a catch of that early, but I was like, you know what? Let me try to try this out and see where this goes. But yeah, I really wanted one of those two guys as my SP two and lost them both. Hmm. Web had already, web was already gone by then. Um, I'm trying to look, we yeah, Webb went in the fifth. He went early in the fifth Todd Zola, uh, two picks after I had taken Will Smith, the closer. Uh, and in the first part of round five, because uh, you know closers were just running as they as they have been in all these things. But yeah, I really wanted I really wanted Morton or Darvish. Never expecting neat, both of them would go in between my uh, picks uh, there. Um, I if we're talking about a fifteen team league, um, and uh, it works for my for what I'm about to say. So I'm going to say in a fifteen team league, I have none of these guys ranked 
as a number two starter. I have one of them ranked as a number one starter. That's Logan Webb. And I have both Darvish and Morton ranked as number three starters uh, in my ranks. Uh, Morton, it's because of the injury. Like he, he like broke his effing leg. Um, Now, if he comes... If, but it's still a leg. Like you need to. You, I can't remember which leg it was, but you either need to push off of it or land on it. I need to see him on a mound throwing before. Now he will. He will rise in my ranks. Like he will be an SP two in my ranks once we see him throwing in spring training. That he looks fine. Uh, but I mean, he broke his fucking leg. I mean, that's the like. I, I'm not gonna take a guy as my SP two uh, coming off a broken leg if I haven't seen him throw yet. So uh, Darvish is a guy, man. He's such a hard guy to kind of figure out. Like he had yeah. real ups and downs throughout the season. He's older. He has a long injury track record. Um, I love the upside uh, that you know because I think he could you know theoretically be an SP one by the end of the season if everything goes right. He could also be an SP5. And so I prefer him as an SP3 just to have a strong foundation and base. Uh, but I understand why people are taking him where they are. So that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Michael, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry about my dog bar. <laughs> I have one last question. Yeah. What's on the game table behind Michael? Oh, um, it's a lot of games. It's like. Donkey Kong, Pac-Man, Galaga. There, like, that's all I need to hear. Galaga, two hundred, my all-time favorite game. Because I see, I saw the one, the stand-up in the back, uh, uh, yeah. years ago, years ago on Notcrafts, uh, when when Bradley Woodrum was writing there and not part of the Miami Marlins front office, he wrote an article about my brother uh, who built uh, a, a, an arcade game. Uh, and like he built the whole casing, took an old computer, ran some. Uh, I think he's got a, a Linux simulator, but he's got like eight hundred games in that sucker. And we would play, wow. uh, we play NBA jams. We play RBI baseball. Like he's got all these things in there. He got them. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And I've always wanted to like have him make me one. Uh, I just never get around to it, but the game table, cause last night uh, my daughter had a birthday party. Uh, we went to, and the place had a giant Galaga game. And I was like, and then uh, while we were waiting for them, we went to another place and they had a Galaga game inside. And I told my wife, I was like, if I start playing this, it's like game over. Uh, Cause <laughs> yeah, usually when I start to play Galaga, I set the high score. I'm really good at it. Uh, okay. I didn't want to, I didn't want her to be like, uh, you know, we're on a date and you're over here just spending 45 minutes on Galaga. <laughs> uh, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I want to get a game table with Galaga or a stand up because it is my all time. I even have a shirt. Uh, uh, because there's a place in Raleigh that has a uh, boxcar Willie and they have, you know, full bar, uh, full bar arcade, uh, but it's got all eighties and nineties. That's what it has. Uh, and so I'll go in there and be like, okay, playing Galaga. And you gotta go uh, to one up arcade. You ever hear of them? One up arcade. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's where the mortal combat's from. This is from nice. something else, but nice. they have Galaga and stuff there too. Yeah. I will. One of these years, it's on my Christmas wish list every year, but you know, other stuff, takes over but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm a man i'm turning 50 this year maybe this year i'll get gallagher <laughs> uh michael remind everybody where you reach on social media uh and then uh plug your guide and anything else you got going on yeah uh you follow us on twitter at sp streamer website spstreamer.com which is where you get the draft kit tomorrow in our shop um mainly right there i do also write for rotographs about once a week as well there you go. Jason, uh, where can you be reached? What are you working on? 
Uh, at Rotowire Collect Calls column that comes out every Wednesday. Uh, I'm finalizing the uh, the bold prediction series, so I'm on the last one, the uh, NL West. And so the names that I have this year, uh, this uh, year for the NL West: Josh Rojas, uh, Martin, as we talked about earlier, Diaz, Robert Stevenson, again, uh, Mookie Betts, who I really don't like this year, and you got to read to say why. Uh, Heaney, who I do like, and we've talked about it. Uh, Luis Camposano, you Darvish, Evan Longoria, and Camilo Duvall. Uh, those are the 10 predictions. But I now have 30 hitters, 30 pitchers um, as of Wednesday um, out there. So people can use it or uh, use it against me or thank me for what I've done. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see uh, how that goes. Last year, I had a really good year uh, for the bold prediction series. Uh, probably the best hit rate that I've had uh, in recent years. And I didn't change that. I didn't make things easier. I, you know, I went out there and, and, and put some things out there, and we'll see how it, it goes. But I, I I don't play it safe in these. You had a pretty good bold predictions here last year, too, which was nice. I think Cedric Mullins really helped out a lot. So <laughs> uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFD. Uh, you can uh, read the majority of my works over on uh, Rotographs uh, along with Michael, where I'm writing four to five days a week at this point. Um, and you can hear me on this podcast, the TGFBI podcast, which will have an episode released Monday morning, or actually probably really late tonight. Uh, and then uh, also on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast with Dave McDonald. That will wrap us up. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and thank you all for uh, watching, those of you who have been watching live or, or watch later on YouTube. Uh, Go Bengals. We will, we will talk to you in a few, <laughs> a few days. <laughs>